We are coming to the end of the book of 2 Samuel. Um, as we have seen that uh, what is, has been happening in the course of these, uh, these two books, both 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, uh, that God has been seeking to encourage His people to hope in and rest in and give their allegiance to the King that He has chosen, to the King that He has placed over God's people. And we've seen that uh, that in our own hearts and throughout uh, church history and redemptive history, as we've seen in the Scriptures, that God's people, we fail and we struggle to give our hopes and our allegiance to Jesus. Uh, there are times where, uh, where we're, we're resting and trusting in Him, but then there's other times when we look at the situations and circumstances that we face in this world, and we may wonder, are God's promises true? Are they sure? Is He actually going to bring about this kingdom that He's promised? Uh, this morning, we are uh, going to be in chapter 23, of uh, the book of 2 Samuel. And we are hearing the last words of King David. Not his ultimate last words, like on his deathbed last words, uh, but these are his last official words communicated to the people of God. What would be so important that David would want to communicate in his last words to God's people, both then, and as we understand this still is the word of God to the people of God, what difference does it make for us? What does it mean for us who also struggle and need our hearts pointed to hope in God's king and his kingdom? So we're going to look at uh, 2 Samuel 23, verses 1 through seven together this morning. Uh, kids, uh, if you want to draw a picture this morning, we're actually going to see as uh, David uh, speaks in this, uh, in this uh, little song or psalm or poem here, uh, there's going to be two, uh, two peop- types of people that are, that are described. One is uh, we're going to see the, uh, the blessing that comes from being a part of God's kingdom. And then there's going to be warnings for those who aren't a part of God's kingdom. So if you could, draw me a a picture of both of those. One, of what it looks like to live under the blessing of God's king, and then draw me a picture using the the imagery that David talks about in here of what it looks like to be those who reject God and his his king. Um, So you would follow along with me as we hear from God's word. Again, verses 1 through 7. Now these are the last words of David, the oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of the man who was raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of Yahweh speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, Ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand so with God? 
For He has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For will He not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? But worthless men are all like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they are utterly consumed with fire. Let's pray. God, we thank You that You've revealed Yourself in the Scriptures of the Old and New Testament. We thank You that You continue to reveal Yourself as You apply Your Word to the hearts and lives of Your people. We pray and we ask that You would do that this morning. May we be those who submit ourselves to You and Your Word, give us ears to hear and to behold wonderful things in your word this morning. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So, here we see as this is introduced, it tells us that it's the last words of David. It's interesting though, uh, as we looked at a a really long psalm that David wrote uh, last week, uh, what we had there was David speaking words to God. In fact, it tells us back over there in verse uh, one. These are the days of, or these are the words of the song on the day when Yahweh delivered him from all of his hands and from the hand of Saul that David spoke to Yahweh. But here, these last words of David that he's speaking, actually, the, the what he communicates to us are not his words at all. David's last words are communication to the people of God through his representative. Notice that's what it it tells us, that God is actually the one speaking, and David's communicating to us his words. Look there in verse 1. The oracle of David, the son of Jesse. The oracle of the man who was raised on high. This isn't something that, that David thought of himself. This is divine communication. That's what an oracle is. God is speaking to a prophet who is then to communicate the very words of God to the people of God. David does not want us to miss this. Neither does the author of 2 Samuel. Notice, not only does it say oracle of David, oracle of the man who was raised, but notice in verse 2. Listen to the emphasis that the Scriptures place on this being God speaking. The Spirit of Yahweh speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me. It's clear. God is the one who is speaking. And with David's last words, he's communicating to us something that God has spoken. How incredible is this? That we have a God who speaks. He's not aloof and distant. He's not silent. But He's active and present in His world. He has created all things. He doesn't just stand back and then allow it just to to carry on as it would. But He enters into His creation. He speaks and He reveals Himself. The people of God can be confident in the way that we're living, 
and how we're seeking to order and guide our lives according to God's Word. Why? Not because we've come up with these things. We're not following cleverly designed myths or things that humans have come up with on themselves. We are following and listening to and ordering our lives around the revelation of God to His people. We have a God who speaks and who communicates and wants Himself revealed clearly to His people. In fact, God has His revelation written down so that generation after generation of His people would know His words, could commit them to their their hearts and order their life and their fate around His standards. God hasn't left us to figure out how to live life in His world all on our own. But He's given us clear instruction and direction from His Word. These words that David is speaking to us come from God Himself. And notice what it is that our God communicates. This God speaks blessing. Look, the content of what God says. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me. And then what is there in verses 3 and 4 is what God revealed specifically to David. When one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. God is speaking of blessing. Notice what He describes there. This blessing is going to be like dawn coming in the morning. That beautiful time of day when all of your fears of darkness have gone. There's no need for the nightlight anymore. The sun rises and shows us the beauty of God's creation. In fact, Scripture, as it, as it describes and talks about God's people being saved and redeemed, it's described as coming from darkness into light. As before we are blinded to our sin, blinded to the truth, but God shines His light and reveals to us what is true and real and right, He continues to go forth. It's like sun shining forth on a cloudless morning. If you doubt that this is a picture of goodness, think about what they sing in Sesame Street. The clouds being driven away. Sun shining on a cloudless day. It's a picture of peace. There's no storm brewing. There's no chaos coming. There's nothing to flee from. He continues to go on. Like rain that makes grass to sprout forth from the earth. Again, this description of blessing that comes through the provision of rain and nourishment to provide for grass and other plants that would grow up. Provision for God's people. Who would not want to live in this place? Shining sun, a warm day that's cool, I mean, that's, that's warming your face as you're resting and relaxing and enjoying peace. 
and blessing. But notice where God says this blessing comes from. This blessing comes when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God. God says this blessing will only be found under the ruler that he sends. That's strange. Because a lot of times when we think about blessing and we think about where the fullness of life and freedom comes from, it's not being under the control of someone else. It's being free to do what we want to do. Living life how we want to do it on this cloudless day. But what Scripture says is that true blessing and true peace and true freedom is only found when you are living your life under the ruler that God sets over His people. Notice the ruler that He describes. When one rules justly over men. This isn't just language that's talking about just people. This is the language that is talking about humanity. This ruler and this king that God is promising that will bring this blessing will not rule over just a few people. He will be the ruler over all of mankind. The universal, true, sure, ultimate king. And the way that he rules is he rules justly over men. He rules always in the fear of God. As we think about David's life, we realize that what God is speaking here to David and what God is communicating to His people through David is that this ruler that God is speaking of does not describe David. David doesn't rule over all men. We've seen, at least definitely over the past several chapters, David does not always rule justly. And the fear of God is not always over him. But what God is promising... And what God says and where God says and in whom God says peace will be found is in this ultimate ruler that is coming. And who is this ruler? It's Jesus. The Scriptures are clear. Even think about what, how Jesus describes Himself. I am the light of the world. To be found in Jesus who is the bright and morning star. The one who says, my yoke is easy, my burden is right. If you are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. In me, you will find peace. In me, you will find life. I am the living water. I will give you the nourishment and the sustaining that you need. You see, this can only be found in Christ. If we begin to get deceived and think that peace and flourishing and fullness of life can be found anywhere else, we need to hear and listen to the words of God who tell us that blessing and peace will only be found as we are brought under the rule of this king. And the peace that is spoken of throughout the Scriptures that we need isn't just no thunderstorms. It's not just a calm river for a good picnic. It's peace with God. It's peace with God because we've rebelled against God. 
We deserve His judgment for rejecting Him. But this God who speaks proclaims to humanity that blessing and peace can be found because I'm sending a ruler who extends the offer of grace and mercy. Do you hear the blessing of our God? Do you hear the grace and the mercy of our God who says, you can still find peace and blessing in my King. But some of us may wonder, I I hear God saying this, but these promises of the, the rule and reign of Jesus being like dawn coming, like sun shining on a cloudless day, like rain bringing nourishment and refreshment. All too often, my life isn't like that. It seems like the storm clouds are rolling and I can see them and I can hear them and the thunder shakes me to my core. And we may wonder as we look at the situations and the circumstances around us, can we believe these words that this God speaks? This would have been true for the people of God. God is promising and He's speaking this to David, but years would go by where Sons of David would rule over the people of Israel and do wicked and horrible things. And due to their wickedness, God's people would suffer. Some of these men would even sacrifice and burn their kids in fire to other gods. God would send His people into judgment in Babylon. And there would be no heir of David seated on the throne. And they have to wonder, can I trust in the promises of God? When I look and I don't see visibly and physically a ruler and an heir of David on the throne, where is this kingdom? Where is this king? Is it coming? Are we not in a similar place? Can we see Jesus on the throne now? Sometimes does it look like the kingdom is not flourishing? Sometimes is our experience that we face now not always feel like it's true? That dawn is shining on our faces? Sometimes it feels like we're still in the middle of a nightmare. How do we respond? What should God's people's response be to these words spoken? Well, notice how David responds and what encourages us for how the faithful should respond. Notice, David responds by having assurance. Look in verse 5. For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For will he not cause to prosper all my help and all my desire? David As he hears these words of God, his response is assurance. This this is God speaking of my house. And I know, based on what God has said, that this ruler and this king will come. He will come from my line. How do I know? How do I know that he'll come? Notice where David goes. He, He goes to the character of the God who speaks. This 
Just yesterday, we were playing Mario Party on the Nintendo Switch. And it's a virtual board game on the, on the computer or on the, the TV. And then one of the spaces that you land on, Bowser, who's the enemy of everybody in the, in the game, comes up. And he has this incredible offer. To, that from Bowser, you can get 100 stars. To have stars is how you win the game. And Adelaide was behind And she struck this deal with Bowser because he promised to her she would get 100 stars and win. There would be no way none of the rest of us would ever be able to catch up. And as soon as Bowser saw what it would cost him to give Adelaide these 100 stars, he took off and he ran. He disappeared off of the screen. And in Adelaide's little counter in the corner, she still had zero stars. And she's looking around. What just happened? What's going on? Why didn't he give me my stars? She was supposed to win. It didn't make sense. Because Bowser can't be trusted. He speaks big words. And he promises great things. But then when he realized the cost, he wasn't trustworthy enough to know that he would follow through with it. But we don't serve a God like that. We serve a God who is faithful. We serve a God who keeps His promises no matter what it costs Him. What does David say about the Word of our God? He has made with me an everlasting covenant. It will not end. It is ordered in all things and secure. There will be nothing that comes up that prevents or limits, or stops our God from keeping these promises. Why? Because I trust Him. He always keeps His Word. It's been evident in David's life. And think about what more we have to see of the character and the faithfulness of our God that He keeps every single one of His promises. In fact, notice what David says. For will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? Here, David's talking about help, salvation that will come. His desire, his longing, will it not be fulfilled? Yes, it will. Why? Because the God who speaks promises is the God who keeps promises. And he will follow through no matter how much it costs him to bring this blessing. God's people throughout the Scriptures have looked to and rooted and rested their assurance and their confidence not in what they see, but in what God has spoken and what He says. When Jesus was born uh, in the New Testament, we meet in the Gospel of Luke two older individuals who have been longing and waiting for the coming of this king, the one who would bring peace and rest to Israel, whose rule and reign would be like this, Simeon and Anna. They've been waiting, and they've been longing, and they meet him. But he's not what you expect. He's a baby, born into a poor family. And as you watch this little one grow up, 
He doesn't come and assemble an army. He doesn't raise up swords. But he keeps every one of God's promises. And when the cost is before him of what it is going to take to bring blessing to God's people and to secure their redemption, he doesn't turn and run. But he willingly gives himself You see, our God took on flesh for the purpose of dying. To give Himself for you and for me. Our assurance is rooted in the character of our God. Do we not need to remember this? We need to go back. When we are looking at our circumstances and our situations... And when things come up in our heart and our mind and we're wondering, is the kingdom really coming? Is God really going to keep His promises? We go back to His character. We go back to who it is that's speaking and how we've seen Him reveal His determination to keep every single one of His promises. And that's been revealed to us in the coming of Jesus. His life, His death, oh yeah, and His resurrection. Do you doubt that He's coming back? Do you look at the world and see other kingdoms flourishing? Do you, are you feeling the threat of the storm? Are you wondering, will there ever be relief? We, as God's people, need to be assured, and that assurance must be rooted in the faithfulness of the God who speaks, in the faithfulness of the God who gives Himself to redeem and save and deliver His people. But also what we see here is not just the response of assurance, but there's also a warning. The faithful can be assured, but the wicked it tells us, are warned. Notice in verse 6. But worthless men are all like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they are utterly consumed with fire. This description of worthless men is not telling us that they don't have any value. All of humanity has value because we're all created and made in the image of God. Actually, if there is no God, then no life has value. But we have value and worth because there is a personal God who created, who made us in His image, and who speaks. This is speaking more of wickedness. Why are they wicked? Because they have rejected this ruler. They have rejected the God who sins his ruler. And the description here is that they are like weeds, like thorns. In our yard, there's a lot of thorns popping up. Look at this thing. Over the spring, this is shot up. And this is one of only a few. I planted seeds in my house. And what I thought was all the perfect and right conditions to grow vegetables, to put in my garden. And they're still creeping along. 
My grass, I've only had to cut it twice this year, and I'm wondering, what in the world? But this, look at it. You look at this and you're thinking, why in the world can this thrive and survive? I don't care for it at all. But it's growing in abundance, towering over all the other plants in my yard. One of them last year that we didn't see until the, uh, the fall has grown probably 30 feet tall all the way up into this dogwood tree we have in the backyard. When we see it and we go out to it, this isn't a favorable sight. The response is different, though, to the vegetables we have in our garden. When we see a cucumber out there, the kids are excited to go out there and pick the cucumber and bring it in. We delight in that. Or when berries come up, or when there's a beautiful flower, we go and cut it and bring it in. But this, no way. There's thorns on here. They're dangerous. They hurt. What do we want to do? You don't want to embrace something like this. What do you do? You cut it down. You cut it down to the ground. Because this is a threat. A threat to our family and a threat to the other things that I'm growing. It saps nutrients and nourishment from other things. As God's people, and many times we can look at the thorns and the weeds that are growing when it seems like what is flourishing and what is thriving and what is growing aren't those who are under the rule and the kingdom of Jesus, but it's those who've rebelled against Him. Man, look how much more fun they're having. Their life seems so much more full. <clears throat> God is telling me I can't do this and I can't do that. I really think that my life could be lived to its fullness if I would throw off what He is calling me to do and the cost that He is calling me to pay. Because man, look at how much they're thriving and growing. But what does our God say? Do not be deceived. Although the weeds may be growing up and the thorns may be coming up in abundance and it may look like that grass that the sun is shining on, King Jesus, and that the rain is pouring down on, King Jesus, are growing so slow. But be assured, just as sure as the kingdom is coming, so be assured that these things will not last. And the judgment of the king is coming. How will he respond? What does he say? He will come to them with iron and a shaft and a spear, they'll be cut down and utterly consumed, burned in the fire. Later, Jesus is going to bring up the same language. He's going to talk about fields that are grown and weeds growing up in the midst of the wheat. And He waits until it's the time of the harvest. The weeds will be burned and the grain and the harvest will be brought in in abundance and rejoiced over. We need to hear this as God's people because there are going to be times where we are tempted to give our hearts and our lives to kings and kingdoms and things that are not consistent with and promote and encourage us to follow God's ruler and His king. 
We are going to be encouraged and deceived and lied to to give our hearts and our lives to other things and other people. Hear God's warning that what will result in giving your life and embracing wickedness is thorns. They hurt. They cut. They wound. As God's people, we need to be reminded that the King is coming. And we need to be reminded of what God says, of where blessing is truly found. And it is in a right relationship with God and His King. But also, hear the warning of those who are in rebellion against Jesus now. You know that you've not, you're not looking to Jesus as your King. You've not turned from your sin and placed your faith in Christ as the ruler, the Savior, the only deliverer. Hear what God's warning is. Is that those who persist in a life that is in rebellion against God and His King will not experience blessing. He says, they will be cut and thrown away. They will be consumed with fire. The options that the Scriptures, both in the Old and New Testament, place before us is when we look and hope in God and in His promised Messiah and faith, we are delivered and we are saved and we are blessed. When we rebel against Him and we reject Him, the assurance we can have is that God's judgment will fall upon us. Hear the words of God this morning. Hear His invitation and His offer for you now to find blessing. The thorns have not been cut down. The fire has not been kindled. King Jesus extends grace and mercy and patience and the offer of blessing and renewal and forgiveness and salvation is there. Would you hope and trust and look to Him? Let's pray. Our God, we thank You uh, for the good news of the Gospel. We thank You, Jesus, that You rule and You reign, and You are this King who rules over all of humanity. We pray now that in our questions and in our fears and in our doubts, we would listen to You. We would hear Your words. And we would consistently look in faith to Jesus, the forever King, the Savior, the Ruler, the Blesser of God's people. In Christ's name, Amen.